Somebody said the best thing to me the other day. We were talking about um, ministry together, and they said, I get it that you're learning with us. And I'm like, right. I mean, that's so awesome. What an honor and a blessing it is to journey with people like Christ who are making me a better follower of Jesus. I hope I'm doing that in your life in some small way. But man, what an honor it is to journey together in Christ. And so with this new series, we're going to start, we're starting family groups, and we're going to really get together and, and talk about what God is doing and how this really is lived out in our lives. So I'm hoping that um, as we explore, and all we do is we just look at the Word of God, um, and it just changes you. If you really examine the Word and consider that He wrote it for you, it changes you. It's an amazing gift to us, the Word of God. And so this morning, we're going to be um, starting this new series. It's called One. And uh, it's, it's this idea, and I don't know, I'm going to ask this question, right? Uh, we're a pretty weird church. Sometimes we do things, I mean, we're all over the place, really. It's kind of a mess, you know, just all walks of life, all faith backgrounds, diversity, passion for Jesus, confusion at times, all this stuff. I mean, it's just a big ball of mess sometimes. <laughs> and we pray it's glorifying to God because we're genuinely seeking him. But I don't know, how many of you know the Lord's Prayer? How many of you? I have a confession to make. You know, someone said, do we do confession? I'll, I'll do it, Family Bible Church style confession. I was, um, I was leading a, a funeral, which is something I have the honor to do, and it is an honor to do it. And, and the person said to me, right before I went up, they said, um, we want to have the Lord's Prayer. My mom loved the Lord's Prayer. Will you say the Lord's Prayer? And I'm like, yeah. And I came from a church where we said the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. Matter of fact, I was born and raised Catholic, so we knew the Lord's Prayer backwards and frontwards and sideways, right? I mean, we knew it. Uh, we knew the part that we should say and the part the priest should say, right? Are you with me? And, and then I went into the, the, I, you know, came into the Protestant circles, and you guys, and we have different words, it, it, and there was mess-ups, you know, I said the wrong things, and it was awkward, or whatever. How many of you know the Lord's Prayer? All right, you're still with me. Let's, let's just try that. Because here's what happened. My confession is, I started to lead the Lord's Prayer at a funeral, and I was expecting that the whole crowd would know it. And as I began, to my horror, I realized like three people were with me. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Until you forget the Lord's Prayer, which I did. I did. I was, I was about three-fourths way through, and I got totally lost in it, and I waited for the, the crowd of faithful prayers to prompt me, and they weren't there. They were hoping I was going to prompt them by the grace of God. It was probably a millisecond, but it felt like an eternity. We picked it up, and we finished the Lord's Prayer, and I thought, I got to go work on that, the Lord's Prayer. How's it go? Our Father, who art in heaven, right? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our... What? Yeah. As we forgive... That's the hard part. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here's the priestly part. For thine is the kingdom. The power and the glory, now and forever. 
Amen. Right? <laughs> Isn't that funny? And then you, some of people have never had the awkward part where you trespasses or debts. If you read your Bible, it says sins. Forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others. What? I got to forgive sins? Oh, God, help me with that. Well, I love that we have that prayer, and I love that many faith traditions, we have been taught that prayer. But today, I want us to consider the Lord's Prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. It's found in the Gospel of Luke, but it's, it's not, it's really, it's more like the disciples' prayer. That's why we learn it, right? They said, how should we pray? And Jesus said, pray like this. And he led his disciples to pray. Okay, well, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at John. Uh, let's see where we're at. Yeah, the, the, this is going to be the incredible prayer of Jesus, okay? We're going to look at the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 20 through 26, and I'm so excited to share the Word of God with you today. Um, I, I've been so blessed as I've studied this week um, these words from Jesus. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going to pray together. Uh, I'll, I'll lead. 754 is on the page if you use one of our Bibles. All right. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, take the one that's in your hand. If you read one of ours, just take it with you. We'd love for you to have that, um, just to be able to read and see what we're, if we're saying is true or not. Here's what the word says. Jesus speaking, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory the glory you have given me, because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Let's pray together. Father God, as we've come here today to sing praises and worship to your name, we seek you now for wisdom and understanding. We believe your word is inspired by you. You inspired men to respond to it and write it down, and you can inspire us to understand it. We have no understanding of our own apart from you. We have no wisdom apart from you. And so today, whatever it is for all of my friends gathered here today that is distracting us from you, Father God, would you clarify our minds? Would you just wipe it so we can listen to you, we can learn from you, and we can grow as a follower of yours? May you do this work not because we deserve it, but because your Son and our Savior has given us this gift. We would praise you forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm super excited that this crazy, incredible prayer Jesus had for his disciples. This is, I want to say this, if you don't have a red letter Bible, all this John 17 is in red because this is the prayer that Jesus prayed, hence the Lord's Prayer. As a matter of fact, this is the prayer he prayed right before he gave his life for us. 
right before he paid the ultimate price for all of our sins that we sing praises and worshiped him about, this is the prayer Jesus prayed. And that, if for nothing else, is a huge reason to pay attention to what it says. I'm going to start just by explaining a little bit about where we're at in his prayer. He's prayed for himself and his glory. He's prayed for his disciples. And then here he prays for us. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. And that's the ones that he is with, not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. I, I, this is the first uh, blank in our form, right? That Jesus in this prayer is praying for the believing, the believing. And not the believing in the room that he's with right in that moment, but for all those who ever did, are, or ever will be believing in him. This entire prayer is wrapped up in who he is as a person. And he says, I don't pray just for them alone, that's those who are in the room with him, but for all those, and the NIV says, who will believe, but the Greek actually says, for all those believing. Believing. And this blows me away because this lays out an attribute of God for us that we ought to understand, and that's this. He is the God of all time. He's the God of all time. And that means when he was standing there with his disciples, praying before the Father, he was praying for you and for me in real time. Father, I'm praying for all those believing in me. That's incredible to me. That the reality, you know, the Bible still says that Jesus intercedes on our behalf at the right hand of the Father, praying now. But there's this timelessness to his prayer. And you might be here today, and I, you know, I, I always say this, but you might either be someone who does not believe at all, or someone who has your heart kind of torn. You're kind of believing, but you're not. You want to believe, but you don't. Or you do, but you struggle. Like there's this battle going on, and you can believe the lie that there's no way that you got to, there's no hope for you. You got to figure this out. But Jesus' prayer here is for the believing because he knows you, he knows your journey. He knows your struggle, and he knows who you've been. Listen to me, who you are and who you're going to be. And I find that incredibly encouraging that he prayed for us. He says, my prayer is not, look at the word with me in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. And that's us. And we've talked about this before. But somehow, by the grace of God and in spite of the church and all of our failures, the message of the gospel has come to us. Praise God. Hallelujah. Right? I mean, that's a miracle, man. If, if you know Jesus at all, that's a miracle. And in the world, and I'm, I, this is where I'm at, where it's so easy to get discouraged and frustrated and be like, man, stuff's broken, it ain't right, it's screwed up, that the gospel will go forward in this broken world and people will still come to believe in Jesus. He prayed for those believing. It's active. The Greek, believe, it's an active thing. 
and he's praying for you and for me. I hope this morning you're believing. I hope this morning you're believing. And I hope maybe even that you're like that one guy who said, I believe, but help with my unbelief. Like you're believing a little bit, then you're believing, man. Just go with that. Grow in that. And trust God with what he's doing in your life. He will not leave you hanging. He says that for all those who will believe in the message, and I want to be clear, Jesus' gospel was like this. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is here. That's the way Jesus preached it, right? And the apostles' message was like, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone. This whole series about one is about, it's going to be rooted in this prayer of Jesus and his one prayer for us. His prayer for his people. And it's rooted here in this gospel proclamation Cry out to the Savior, and you will be saved. In the middle of all of your struggles, you will be saved. In spite of all indications to the contrary, you will be saved. Jesus has that power in our lives. And the truth is that if you're believing today, in any way, this prayer that Jesus prays is for you. It's for me. 21. Here's this prayer. This is going to be a key word today. It's a funny word. It's that. T-H-A-T, that. I want you to notice that in there, okay? Because that in Greek is hina or hina, and it means in order that, so that, because of this, okay? This is the reason. And so he says this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message in order that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. You see, prayer is a simple thing. It's simply asking God what you want. That's what it is. We want to make it more. It's what it is. You just reveal your heart to God. God, this is what I want. That's what prayer is. And Jesus, before he goes to the cross, prays that prayer. Father, this is what I want, and this is what he asked for, for you and me. He asked for oneness. He asked the Father for oneness. Father, I pray not for these only, but for those who believe in the message in order that they can be one. It's a number. It's uno, right? It's the first digit. It's the indivisible it's the solitary unit that we build everything on. One. Nothing more complex. One. That they would be one, Father. This is the reason I'm praying for my people, that they could be one. And I don't know if you're like me, but when I see Jesus' prayer, I'm like, what? That was his big prayer? That we could be one? And then listen to me, and I'm going to preach a little bit, but listen to me. I look in the world and besides all the sinful brokenness, and there's tons of it out there, and there's tons of it in me, I see division, frustration, anger, hurt, just you know, demolishing people's lives, splitting up, breaking down, cleaving, and destroying. And Jesus' prayer runs contrary to all of that. And the real hard thing is, church, I see this in the people of God. We, we become defined more by who we're not than who we are. Well, we're not like them. 
if you're not like us, you shouldn't be here. And Jesus' prayer runs completely contrary to that entire concept. And he says, Father, I pray for them as they believe in me that they might be. Yeah, one. And there's something in me as a follower of Jesus that my heart breaks. When I think about my divisiveness, when I think about my contrary attitude, and his prayer is, Father, Make them one. As a matter of fact, the beautiful thing about this prayer is it drives me to Christ. Because I say, no one can do this, Jesus, except you. No one can make that happen. You know my heart and my failure. And Jesus says, I can in my Father's name. He asked his Father that we might be one. He says, this is the reason that I'm praying. I want you to see what else the word says here. It's beautiful. There's so much in here. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, just like us. And that's going to be next week's message, by the way, because anytime we start to look at our lives and figure out where we should be, we have to first think about the theology of the reality of who God is. And Jesus' prayer says, Father, make them one like we are one. He says it as you are in me and I am in you. Make them like that. All of our oneness and any hope for oneness is rooted in God's self. It's rooted in the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of the sacrifice, the mystery of the resurrection, the mystery of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, prodding us forward to tolerate and love each other in spite of our failures. One. This is the gospel's goal in our life. And here we have this amazing prayer, but it's rooted in Jesus' own oneness with the Father. I want you to see that, and we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to, I want to give you a heads up. We're going to then talk about areas of our life where God desires oneness, and we're going to be really practical and say, why do we not see that there? How can we be better followers of Jesus? How can I die to myself in order to be united to Christ and to others? And I think that's a whole lifetime of stuff from Jesus' prayer that we can live out together. Just as you are in me and I am in you, okay? And then he goes on, may they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. May they also be in us. So the oneness that, God, that Jesus asked for, the Father, he asked for is kind of twofold. And the first is this. He asks that we would be one with God. One with God. And I'm going to do a little theology stuff here, but it's important. It does not mean that we are God. As a matter of fact, that's the fundamental sin in our life, that we think we're in charge and God isn't. That was the fundamental break in the garden. I want to know the things that God doesn't want me to know, and I'm going to seek my own knowledge apart from the relationship with God, and we became divided from him for all of history. And our hearts yearned, MJ's beautiful testimony, longed for restoration of that relationship, fulfilled in knowing Christ, in knowing God. And so Jesus' prayer is, Father, make them one with us. 
That's what it says. Did you read it? In 21, I think it's where we're still at. May they also be in us. May they also be in us. All of them. Jesus' prayer. So it's not that we are God, but it's that we are in God and God is in us in a very real and practical and daily way in a very wise and prophetic and uh, discerning and not joking and not hoping and not, you know, dreaming, but practically living with God every day. In the, the, the uh, epistles, Paul writes it like this. It's, it's walking around with God. I love that. It's doing life with God. It, it means, now listen to me, it means that no matter where you think you are, you aren't separate from God. And it means no matter how far you run from him, you can't escape him. It means he is there with you. You are with him. And so many of us struggle in our lives, but that struggle is the struggle of redemption because God has a claim. We will be one with him. This is Jesus' prayer. I love it. But the second is like this. We'll be one with God and we'll be one with each other. And people kind of break down this. They go, oh, I don't know, man. Are you sure? That's, but look at what he says. It says that they, who? They, who's they? All who would be believing. Right? All who would be believing would be one in us as we are one in each other. And so it's a prayer that we are one with God and one with each other. Now, I know we have great hopes and dreams for the impact of Family Bible Church. But everyone, every believer on the planet won't fit in this room. Do you know that's true? You guys are, are you with me? Like, there's not enough room. So this goes beyond us. It's certainly us, but to others. And we're going to talk about how we are part of the big story of God all over the planet. I mean, the cosmos, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, the cosmos, the proclamation of the gospel to all of creation is a gift to us. But the truth is that we are called to be with God and one another. And this is a oneness that is hard and is holy, and it's God's work. I'll let that work, okay? That they may be with us, that they may be in us, in us, okay? The next thing, and I'm going to read that verse, and we're going to come back to this, okay? That the world may believe that you have sent me. 22, listen to the word. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. What's the key word today? That. T-H-A-T, that. It's, it means in order that, okay? And so he says, I gave them my glory that you gave me in order that they will be one as we are one. And that means this, that the glory of Jesus unites us. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it sounds so basic. But that when we, when we come here together and we worship, we're united in Christ. When we live our lives out in a manner glorifying to our Creator, we're united in Christ and with each other. When, you know, there's always this old joke about when we get to heaven, God's going to have separate rooms for all of his people, and he'll say to one group, shh, they don't know that you're here. You know what I mean? To the rest of God, that's a lie, man. It's going to be worship central all the time, and we're all going to be together. Right? 
I mean, you guys are like, oh, man, we're going to be with the fill in the blanks. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, are you excited about that? Oh, my grandma. Yeah, man. I mean, it's so cool, right? All who've been believing for all eternity will be worshiping God. Big view of God. Big view of heaven. And it's for Jesus' glory. It says in Revelations that all nations will surround his throne and sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I mean, to the heavens above and the earth below and the seas and all that is in everything. We sang a song this morning, and we sing this. And this is always funny to me. We say, this world has nothing for me. I get it. But the whole creation is called to glorify God. The stars, the trees, your grandkids. Your inner life to glorify God. Worship. And not only that, but he says this. I gave them this glory. I gave them this glory that they could glorify me. The word is doxa. That's a word we get for doxology. Have you heard of doxology before? Yeah? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above the heavenly host. You're like, man, we've seen that at Grandma's church. Yep. <laughs> Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Man, that's good. Doxa, the glory to God. And in this space, and listen to me, when we seek with our very lives to bring glory to God, oh, there's not much room for division. Division's about us, isn't it? I'm not like that. I'm not one of those. You know, this is really funny, but, um, and this is a little off topic, but I'll just say it because I think it's kind of funny. I know some of you right now are praying for me. Oh, don't let him say it, you know. Everybody is somebody's crazy uncle in the church. I got family that thinks I'm the crazy uncle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they believe in Jesus, but they're like, yeah, that's Bill. <laughs> Try to deal with him, right? And they only see, Chris is laughing because they only see this much of the crazy, you know? We said that Paul said last week, if we're out of our minds, it's for the glory of God. And if we're in our right minds, it's only for you. I mean, the reality is that God is so beautiful to us that we get caught up with him. Praise God. He gave us his glory. And we are united in Jesus' glory. I mean, this very idea challenges every underlying presumption we have about our faith and about the church and about our call and about what we're supposed to do because it's all about Jesus. And this opens up a whole world of possibilities for you and I to celebrate what God is doing. And yet so often we find ourselves dividing, closing off keeping a safe distance. We are united in the glory of Jesus. What an awesome, awesome idea. One other point, and then we're going to go to the last one here. Um, the idea of glory actually is rooted in this idea of heaviness. If you've never read any C.S. Lewis, I would encourage you to read some C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis has this view of heaven, and it's extra biblical, so I'm not saying it's, you know, the gospel, but he has this view of heaven that everything there is realer than real, more realer. Your heavenly bodies will be realer than your body now. And I know many of us have body issues, right? And we look in the mirror, we're like, oh, man. And some of us don't even see it rightly. We don't even see who we are. We see who we were, right? But in heaven, 
in the glory of God's presence as his created beings, realer than real. He says, I gave my people this glory that they could glorify me. Authentic, solid. You know what I mean? Have some weight, right? That's beautiful. They, they said of Jesus' own teaching, he teaches as one who has authority, different than all the others. He speaks with weight, with heaviness in his words. Glory to God for his gift of doxa. So beautiful. And we are invited to be part of that. The question is, how, how are we doing that, really? Where do we struggle to set aside the cares of this world and choose to glorify Christ instead? You know? What is that? Where is the part of our life that we really do just die to ourselves and love someone else for the glory of God? So awesome, this opportunity. And now I'm going to read on a few more. Here it is, a few more verses. I'm going to start with 22 again because it's so short. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. There's the same prayer again. I in them and you in me. There's this reality. It's almost like, you know, stacky cups, right? God in Jesus, Jesus in us. But there's no separation in that, and it's a mystery. May they be brought to complete unity. Here it is, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them, have loved them even as you've loved me. Who? The world. Let us be one, is Jesus' prayer, that the world might know the gospel. And he says two things, and one comes up earlier. He says, um, uh, 23, I think it is. Let me see here. No, no, no. In 21, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. That's the first reason that God, that Jesus is praying for our oneness. Father, make them one, that the world would believe that you sent me, Jesus, the Messiah, into the world that he has come, right? And then later, um, that the world would know you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. The reality is that Jesus prays, and there's the key word again, isn't it? That, that the world may know, that the world may believe in me, that the world might know that you love them like you've loved me. This great commission, this great opportunity we have that go and share the good news of Jesus with the world. And this prayer, which is so incredible to me, really, is, is for us. I, do we believe that's true? Do we believe that, the, that our oneness in Christ or lack thereof is a testimony or lack thereof of the reality of God's love for the world? That's tough. And again, it drives me right back to Christ. How do, we do, how do we do this? Show us how to do this. Empower us to do this. Answer the prayer of Jesus in this. This is the reality. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about all areas of our life. And I'm sure there'll be many more we won't even get to cover where we're lacking oneness, this wholeness in God. 
I hope you will journey with us for that. And I hope that you'll maybe consider a family group. And I really, to, to live it out, because we can't do that here. All right, so I want to share a verse with you. And I put it on your cards this morning, and uh, the engagement sheet's there. And it's the, our memory verse, okay? And um, it comes from the book of Ephesians. And I totally just stole it from Ephesians because it's so beautifully said. I would encourage you, if you're a skeptic, to read around it and see what Paul's writing about, okay? But he's writing to the churches. And this is his... Um, Encouragement to the church, 4-4. There is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, listen to the words, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and through all. One. That's Paul. Paul says this is the reality. There's only one God. There's only one that we're called to worship. Only one spirit, only one salvation, only one baptism. And I know all these things will challenge something, I'm sure, in you. They challenge much in me. Well, today, um, we're gonna close our service with communion, all right? And communion is this church word that we've established for this thing that Jesus did. And Jesus went out and he just took regular people like, he, he didn't go in. Matter of fact, I was thinking about the Pharisees, and his big issue with the Pharisees was they were not one with God. Like, if the Pharisees had been on the same team, and he said that, if you were on God's side, you would know me and celebrate what's happening before you, but you don't, because you're not on the right side. It wasn't that he didn't like them for them. They were on the wrong side. They weren't one with God. And he went out and he found people in everyday life. And he said, you follow me, you follow me. And his followers began to come around him and see his great, amazing teaching. And at the end of his life, before he prayed this prayer, he gathers them around a table and he says, this is my body broken for you. And this cup is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. And if you read all the stories of the communion, there are those, he's saying, some one of you are going to betray me. And they're like, who? I'm not going to betray you. Jesus, it's not me. Is it me? Is it you? I think it's you. It's not me. And yet he still invites them to his table. And today, and he says, every time, every time you do this, you remember me. Paul says that when we share the Lord's Supper, we proclaim his death until his coming. I'm going to say one other thing about communion. I'm going to keep pushing on this. The gospel records that after walking on the road for a long time, he was invited in someone's house, and they broke bread. And the moment they broke bread, they saw him, and he was gone. And they said, did our hearts not burn within us? Because this communion table, and I know some of you come from background and you're like, oh, well, I can't come up and have communion here because fill in the blank, right? But the reality is that this communion table is just one table, and every time we set before him, every time we break bread, he's present. Every time, if we would acknowledge him, if we would recognize him with the family at the table, with our friends over pizza, you would see in this communion. God and unity, the offer of grace to us. Every time you do it, remember me. I hope you'll do that in your life. 
remember Jesus. I'm going to invite you to this table. I want to share one other verse with you. And I love this. It's from John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If anyone remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And this morning we have up here bread and grape grapes. Portable snacks for big kids. Big children of God. And you can come up, you can taste and see. And remember that without Jesus, we're nothing. For all of our theological wisdom, we're nothing without Christ. You can come today to the table and receive him. As I pray for us, I'm going to ask, what areas do you need oneness in your life? What areas do you really need wholeness? A restoration. So I'm convinced that the table that he brought to us wasn't just for pomp and circumstance or ritualistic behavior. It was an invitation to really receive him and to really be united with him. I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we consider those things. Father, we come to you as your people and a people who don't have it all figured out and a people who have stuff going on in our lives that are broken and not okay, and your Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin, and we see it, and we even hate it, and yet we struggle when we're apart from you. Today, Father, I pray that for each of us, if you brought the area of those, mind those areas of our lives where we are lacking this oneness, this wholeness, this glory in you, that you would offer us forgiveness for our sins, hope for a future, and really a peace with you. That we would know we're yours. And we would know you're ours. And Father, for all of my friends here who are somewhere on this journey with you, I give you praise and glory. I pray that you wouldn't answer my prayer, but you'd answer the prayer of your Son and our Savior, Jesus, who prayed this incredible thing to say, may they be one in us. Father, do that miracle today as we come to your table. And Father, we only come because Jesus said, remember me, remember me. And so today, as we all come up and gather at this table to receive a gift of salvation, of restoration, do your work in our lives for your glory and for the good of all of your people. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.